1: It's easy to hear your favorite artist on WFPK from wherever you are. Listen on your smart speaker, live stream from our website at WFPK.org, from Louisville Public Media.
0: Is Is this distracting? This fan? Consequence Podcast Network. Hey, welcome to another edition of Kyle Meredith with It's the interview series presented by WFPK and WFPK.org Consequence and the Consequence Podcast Network Hey, thanks for making your way here Checking out the uh, the series in this episode uh, Please do hit that subscribe button I put out three new interviews every single week So it's a great way to keep up with your favorite artists And discover some new ones you can do so at all the usual spots too, like iTunes and Apple Podcasts, at Spotify, PodChaser, NPR, YouTube for the video version, or anywhere you get your podcast from. Subscribe to Kyle Meredith with, that's me, Kyle Meredith. Today I'm talking with uh, actor Lance Reddick about uh, about two projects really, uh, Netflix's new adult animation series Farzar and their new series, uh, the uh, the continuation of Resident Evil. Now, of course, you'll know Lance Reddick from. Um, Such great. I mean, it was iconic in The Wire and in Fringe, and he's been in uh, John Wick, the John Wick series corporate, and so much more. The man has been busy. Uh, So we're going to be talking about roles really in both of these that come out at the same time on Netflix. We'll talk about uh, transitioning from drama like he did in The Wire and Fringe to the the comedy that he's been more a part of in the past few years, Uh, finding bluer comedy later in life, especially thanks to uh, Eddie Murphy, and his background in music and how he incorporates that into his acting. Uh, Lance also going to tell us about what attracted him to both of these projects, choosing to stay away from symbolism when preparing for a role, and his upcoming role in uh, White Men Can't Jump, that stars uh, other uh where I'm based here, uh, Jack Harlow. So let's get into this. We're talking about Farzar and Resident Evil. It's Kyle Meredith with Lance Reddick.
2: Hey, how you doing?
0: I could say this at any point, I think, in the past 20 years, but you are a busy man. Uh <laughs> Uh, well, <laughs> I don't know about any point
2: in the last twenty years, but at least the last few years. yeah,
0: yeah that's what it seems like, especially now. um you know the 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 topic uh, the the main subject that we're hitting at uh, immediately anyway is uh, is Farzar. This is a new animated series on Netflix that you play the lead role in. and it's I mean it's adult animation and it's adult comedy. I'm going to let you set this one up, if you don't mind. Like, uh, c- Can you give us the kind of the gist of, of this series right here? Basically, it's uh, set on a distant planet. And I
2: play Renzo, who is the, the king of the planet. And he is married to Queen Flammy, who is um, a rather elderly woman who um, has um, kind of um, extreme kinky sexual tastes. And uh, he married her to get her kingdom. And they have a kid who's a goof. And, um, Bazarak is their is their main nemesis, who's constantly you know trying to trying to uh, take over the planet. So uh,
0: you know all kinds of hijinks happen there. This is an interesting one again because you know I didn't know what I was getting into when when I watched <laughs> the, the the few of these. You know you hear adult animation, but this took me back a little bit. Like it's not the type of comedy that most try to get away with anymore. Is that fair to say? Roger and Waco, the creators, uh, you know, their
2: track record is each, each, each series gets more outrageous. <laughs> so, you know, after Brickleberry and Paradise PD, I mean, I think this is, uh, they're pull, they pulled out all the stops on this one. I don't know. I can't imagine what they're going to do after this.
0: I guess that's what I mean is like, you know, there are so many dick jokes. I mean, I think you could have a per minute, you know, counter on the dick jokes that happen here.
2: You know, and- are there? It's been so long, been so long <laughs> since I've recorded it. It's been a year and I haven't seen it yet, so I forgot that.
0: Yeah, yeah. This the the Well, just any kind of genitalia. I think that's the the running genitalia <laughs> counter is is pretty nonstop throughout it. And and I guess that's what I mean. Like you know, there's adult animation all around us, but this one seems like as you were kind of saying, like it goes to the, you know, the further extreme as anything. I, I guess I, you know one thing I would be curious is you know when they pitch this to you, you know, how did they set it up for you and 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 maybe other than, hey, this seems like a cool job. Was there anything that actually attracted you to the, to the project? It
2: was just, honestly, I worked with them. I worked with them on Paradise PD, and it was mostly just because they asked me. <laughs> I mean, I wish I had I wish I wish had a more profound answer than that, but, you know, okay. I mean, we got this new show and it's the, it's the lead, if you can say that about their shows, because it's, it, their shows are always really an ensemble. Um, but um, And they kind of gave me a description of the character. and I was like, well, sure why
0: not well at least you know i'll say this from what you can remember uh these do seem like the kind of lines that would be a whole lot of fun the type of lines that you might not be able to as an actor uh deliver uh all all that often uh especially like is there an art to delivering a good swear word i mean a good powerful fuck and everything else like again it's it seems like a bit of a barrage the whole time
2: Unfortunately, you got to remind me because I, once again, I haven't seen a show and it's been about, uh, almost a year since we finished, since we wrapped, uh, recording. Yeah. So I can't remember how many fucks I said. <laughs> Let me, I'm just saying there's a lot. That's all. It does seem like it, like or, it's again,
0: or, or, I'm the, or, or if even I'm the main fuck person, so to speak. <laughs> I think everybody is the main fuck person in this one, yeah, to be honest. But. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Well, you know, I, I think I'll just throw that out a, a bit more broadly in, that, in the same type of question. You know, to get those kind of lines, I, I don't know, maybe I'm trying too hard on this one, and apologies if I am. Well, let me, let, me put it, let me put it this way. I spent a lot of my
2: career, not uh, once I started doing film and television, not being able to do much comedy. That's changed, particularly in the last five years, uh, five years especially with corporate, mm-hmm. uh, um, which, you know, sadly is, is no more, but it's one of the favorite things I've ever done in my career. And, um, and I'm a goof. You know, one of my uh, my favorite word that my wife hates is titty. I love to say titties. It's just from when I was a kid, you know, it's like. <laughs> it's a funny word. Yeah, well, to me, I mean, I guess to a lot of guys, it is, yeah, to a lot of women, it's not.
0: <laughs> it's probably not. What was that transition like for you then? I mean, yeah, going from those early dramatic roles and finally, I don't know. Is it like the comedy doors are open? I mean, honestly, obviously, I should say you've worked for it, but but what was that? How has that transition been? Well, it's just a, it's just, it's 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 I don't know how to put it.
2: Um, because for the most part, I don't do sketch comedy; it's scripted comedy. So for the most part, it's not uh, it's using the same muscle but working it slightly differently. What's been interesting for me, uh, particularly on uh, on corporate was the fact that I was working with people, uh, except for Annie, who's who a brilliant actor, uh, people who either came from stand-up comedy or sketch comedy. So, um, getting used to kind of hanging with them and going with in, uh, lines that are improv was, was something that I, I just had to get used to, but it's, it's a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I, really, I'm a goof. You I know, mean, I don't know if you've seen any of my, um, this stuff that's not political and in my Instagram and Twitter stuff that's that's silly I mean I'm I'm a goof so I love that and I love that kind of um raunchy irreverent humor
0: and that's it I, I grew up on that I mean uh I'm 40 now so really I you know I was coming of age especially I don't know what you would say like the early MTV generation or especially the mid MTV generation when it was like Beavis and Butthead who's back Uh, Space Ghost and that type of stuff. I mean, that was, there was a a bit of, there was an underground. And and even going back even, you know, to the album. Space Ghost
2: Yes. Okay. Yeah,
0: that's
2: magic.
0: (laughs) (laughs) But even like the albums of the 70s, you know, I I was discovering those, you know, not too long afterwards, you know, know, the comedy albums. albums. Yeah, those Uh, comedy albums of the 70s. Like that was, you know, like uh, whether it was Cheech and Chong or Richard Pryor or any of that stuff, you know, like there was an air of danger because this is the stuff, This was the stuff you can't tell your parents that you're uh, you're listening to or watching, you know, like, was that a big part of yours as well? No, uh, believe it or not. Growing up, I was. uh, I feel like it's a dirty word now, but
2: uh, I was in terms of my my taste for comedy. uh, And I can't believe I'm afraid to say this. I was a Bill Cosby guy. (laughs) So, I mean, and the bluest stuff that I had were old Red Fox albums Mm -hmm. from like the 50s and early 60s that were were meant, only really meant for black people in clubs anyway. Um, but uh, I think that uh, when I was in high school, all that stuff happening in the 70s, quite frankly, I think I was just too square and immature to get it. So yeah, I didn't, um, for me, the next big uh, co- common comedian, stand-up comedian that really influenced me in terms of, uh, that, that maybe impacted me culturally was Eddie Murphy. So that's kind of skipping, that, skipping a generation, yeah yeah
0: yeah I mean he was he was carrying that torch absolutely yeah, he oh,
2: was. That's, he was yeah but the 70s, I mean when you when you bring that up it's like they, all those guys even when George Carlin changed and richard pryor they all they all broke open you know what started with 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 uh I must say lenny Kravitz with with uh, lenny Bruce. <laughs> yeah. different
0: different yeah. the two <laughs> Let's see that uh audio mashup though it's going in my head how to make that work though it's uh oh. You got me thinking about it. Shout out to uh, Astapro for sponsoring this episode and providing us with free samples. Uh, I, I live in Kentucky, in the Midwest, and allergies, yeah, I suffer. When I say I suffer from allergies, I suffer from allergies. And around here, everyone I know... Um, but of course I know at that point though you were also uh you came from the music world. Uh I mostly exist in the music world myself. I listened to your album just the other day. Oh, I, uh, it, that's that's getting long in the two. That was about 12 years ago. It was about 12 years. I was actually surprised yeah. in that. Like, is that is that an itch that you have anymore? Do you do you find yourself scratching that these days? N- not so much, and I regret it. Um uh, because when I, you know, when I did the album,
2: you know, because I, I for those people who don't know you know I, I grew up studying classical music and then I went to conservatory and then I uh, left the conservatory because I realized I didn't want to be a classical composer I wanted to be staying basically and so um, um acting is something I kind of I fell into but music is always it's always uh, kind of dear to my heart it's part of my soul and it's influenced my work as an actor a lot actually but it's interesting because I just gave the commencement speech uh about a, two, a month and a half ago, at the University of Rochester, where I went to school, uh, and then the next day I was at the Eastman School of Music t- um, to get an award, and I stood on that stage and I watched their commencement speaker, who is a Pulitzer Prize-winning composition alum. I was so green because it's like when I, you know, when I was in music school, like every every classical. I mean, I, and for, at least for my generation, i are probably more cynical now. But for my generation, every classical. Uh, composition you know dreams you know, standing up there and saying I want to, want to peel it so that was tough <laughs> that was tough <laughs>
0: uh you know, and since you brought it up uh, if you don't mind going further into that how does it influence your work today I do talk to a lot of actors who especially actor musicians you know and that's why I always use the term artist broadly anyway but uh but it's always interesting, you know, whether it's just like, you know, you've got your hype songs or that you enter your work in a musical way, like how, how what is it for you? For me, it's not, except for
2: uh, the rare occasion when I have to do really emotional scenes, um, it's not so much that I use music to get in the character as, as kind of the, and I really discovered this when I started uh, learning how to do, how to play Shakespeare, when I started studying uh, Shakespeare as an actor. Um, The way that I I, how do I put this? I think a lot in I don't want to say think because it's more instinctual. Uh, It's more almost like I feel because I'm very kinesthetic. But I feel a lot in terms of rhythm and tune um, in my performances. And it's not that I'm like choreographing the tune, you know what I mean, or even choreographing the rhythm. But I'm just aware. I'm just aware of how important that is for the a, a character's rhythm. The character's tune and part of that is is there is accent and I feel, i've found that i have somewhat of an ear for accents because i have a, have a musical ear so um you know that all that that all matters as, as an actor and i actually think it matters as a writer too i see as a coming from composition i can appreciate structure and form in writing
0: i think it, it's always fun when you especially when you notice actors who musical, and you can tell in the way they use their voice, not in a sing-songy way. I mean, even when it's just talking about, there's sort of a musicality in a lot of the way people use their voice in, in delivering lines, I guess. And I've all that. It's yeah. interesting.
2: I actually went to a period of time where I, um, moving, moving into the middle of the wire where I got kind of, a, a kind of a set rhythm and I didn't realize I was doing it. So, um, once Fringe was over, I had to realize I had to completely break, and I also had, I realized, particularly working with John Noble, who has an extraordinary voice on Fringe, I, I realized that I had to go back to basics in terms of my um, um, my kind of daily vocal training. It particularly, not so much when I wasn't working, although I should, uh, but definitely when I'm working. I, 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 one thing I, I try to never do is get to set without having vocalized, um, so that I so that I'm grounded in, so that I'm grounded in my voice. Um, uh, and, and the other thing is just how important. How to put this? I, I, finding a rhythm doesn't mean setting a rhythm. So, you know, you. I, it's, I, and I really, really started finding this in my work in Bosch. Kind of the asymmetrical symmetry to, to the to, to the give and take. Very it's it's still shaped, but at the same time, it's very much more rhapsodic that's hard to, this is really hard to try to translate (laughs) Uh, in terms of how I approach rhythm and tune in my performance.
0: Yeah, I I get that though. And you know, I I will reference again, uh, this Farzar, this uh, animated series, because it's, you have to, you seem like you have to be so bombastic in that. Oh, yeah,
2: yeah, well, Renzo, he is, uh, I don't know if you ever saw corporate, but Renzo is, is, um, he is Christian DeVille on steroids, if he was dumb (laughs) (laughs) like christian's just pompous but he's smart renzo's dumb and he but he you know but he's the king of the world
0: (laughs) (laughs) it's fun hearing that and and again you know i I imagine i I, because i know we're short of time here and i do want to quickly hit on resident evil too you know to to have the range of roles like that i mean you are representing i think one of the great iconic characters as far as you know uh the genre goes and i'm I'm, I'm speaking of resident evil now um how do you how do you approach this when there's such a strong franchise already in place is is it is there a trick to that well my trick was that i didn't know so i didn't so i didn't man listeners are gonna hate me
2: i didn't even know that it was a game Mm -hmm. i only knew the moves so uh, when it first came up, I mean, a, t- a TV show based on those movies? I don't know. What role would I play in that? Um, because uh, Wesker's hardly in the, in the films. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so what happened was I read the, the first, because the, the scripts were written for the most part before we even started shooting. So uh, before I even got the role, I read the first seven of the, the eight episodes of the first season. So I was hooked by the character and I was hooked by the story uh, and how good the writing was. Uh, and the fact that it was so different from anything I had an opportunity to do before, so for me it was all about playing the character on the page, uh, and it, it, I, I I didn't really kind of get overwhelmed by how how daunting the responsibility is in terms of the franchise until after the fact. And, and at the same time, it's like oh boy, now I'm scared.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I'll quickly say that you know, even with both of these projects, and and I'll say sci-fi as a genre, you know, the great ones always find the way to reflect. What what you know we're currently being faced with? Of course, Resident Evil's pulling from something that's long been in the games, but but even just the word virus, you know, it's there. Uh, looking at Farzar, you have alien rights and this whole thing of are the good guys really the good guys or are we the bad guys after all? You know, so oh, so are are... no good guys. So <laughs> <laughs> I guess what I'm getting at is, you know, when, when you're doing these and you've got these kind of topics, do you sort of use Actual reality, actual current events. Uh, you know, it, w- with what you're doing on on the screen.
2: I don't, as an actor, I don't think that way. It's, it's interesting. And I had a conversation. Um, I, I won't say with who, but with um, uh, with the director about a film role, and he was talking about because um, something was happen- something happened with the role that I didn't like, and so we were having a creative conversation about it, and he was explaining the 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 symbol, what the what the character that I was playing represented, the symbolism. And I said to him, I can't play a, yeah, but as an actor, I can't play a symbol, I have to play a person. So I have to find a way to um, make this, uh, through the, to humanize and to make this three-dimensional. So um, I, I, may take on a, I may take on a project where I may appreciate or be proud of the its kind of um, social and politi- political relevance. But I'm never playing that. I'm just playing the character in the situation.
0: I'm looking forward to seeing that whole series, by the way. Uh, as I wrap this up, and pretty and great. I am biased, but it's pretty great. <laughs> did did I quickly, really quickly? Did I see that you're going to be in a uh, White Man Can't Jump, the new the new version of that? Yes. In fact, my last game was last Thursday. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Jack Harlow, one of our Louisville guys down here. <laughs> oh, that's right. Uh, that's right. I forgot he's from Louisville. <laughs> did you spend much time together? I only had one scene with Jack. Okay. Yeah. Yeah,
2: yeah. I spend more time uh with Cinco, Qua. Yeah, it.
0: yeah. That's gonna be a fun one too. I'm looking forward yeah, to seeing I, what the how how they update that one for uh for for the now. So that's uh what a classic.
2: No, you know what? This is gonna be similar to Resident Evil. I've never seen the original, so so I wasn't comparing when I read the script. I was just I just knew that it was it was an iconic uh kind of cult hit, but uh I'd never seen the film, so. I didn't. I didn't compare. I just knew that I loved the character, and I loved the. I thought the script was really. I mean, in addition to being funny, it's really well written, and it's really uh, human and poignant. I think it's. I think it's going to be a great film.
0: Looking forward to that one too, yeah. Lance. Uh, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us about all this. Uh, that one, of course, Resident Evil Farzar, both on Netflix. Uh, it's been a pleasure. Likewise. Big old thanks to Lance Reddick, Farzar, Resident Evil. You can find both of them on Netflix now. And thanks to you as well for checking out the episode and the series. Hit that subscribe button so you can keep up with all the interviews that I put out. Again, three brand new interviews every single week. It's a new one every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at iTunes and Apple Podcasts, at Spotify, Podchaser, NPR, YouTube for the video versions, anywhere you get your podcast from. Subscribe to Kyle Meredith with... And after that, head over to WFPK.org, where I do a show Monday through Friday, 6 p.m. Eastern. It's an hour full of song premieres, music news, anniversary spins, bonus interviews, Monday through Friday, 6 p.m. Eastern at wfpk.org. Consequence has your music and film news. You can also find me on the uh, social media spots, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, all three of them, at Kyle Meredith. I do hope you like and follow along. That does it for another edition. I'm Kyle Meredith. I'll see you next time.